Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to the book of 2 Timothy together this morning as we begin this series called Going Orange. Going Orange. 2 Timothy, and I want you to turn to chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. He does reign in all of the earth, doesn't he? And that song we just listened to here on our main campus just so beautifully illustrated that. And, and it's important that we understand that as we study this subject because this, stu- this subject can be rather disheartening and sometimes it can be rather uh, depressing if you think about it. Uh, uh, going out into the future as we look at, at the coming generations. But, but what we've sung about this morning is that we know we have victory in Christ. We know that he has ultimate victory. And, and the case is never lost. It is, we are walking from victory, church, and we're walking towards victory. Do you believe that? We are walking from the victory of the cross to the victory of a new heaven and a new earth. But in between, God's give us, given us some very specific instructions on how to live life and, and what to do with this life that he's given us. And this, uh, this strange title, Going Orange, I think will help you understand what I'm talking about. This past week, I really, I love students of all varieties, and I love children. I just love uh, all sorts of uh, students and teenagers and college students. And this past week, I got more exposure to college students than I normally do. In fact, than I I have had in years and years. And I shook hands with hundreds of college students and handed out cookies at our lunch. And I had a lot of fun just handing out cookies and and, uh, handing out hamburgers and handing out water bottles. And we had a great time just connecting with college students. And, and one of the reasons that I have a heart for them is I know what they're facing. I know what they're moving into. I know the, the struggle of leaping from the home out into the experience of college. It is one of the most exciting times. It is thrilling. It can be spiritually uplifting. It, can, it was for me one of the great uh, leaps forward in my spiritual walk. But it can also be one of those times where we lose our young people. And the statistics are not very good. And as I handed out every four or five cookies to a a Baptist Collegiate ministry kid or some kid that most likely had been to church and now was involved in a college ministry, as I handed out the fourth or fifth cookie, I literally thought about the statistic that says there were four or five kids that grew up in church that aren't taking cookies, that have walked away from their faith that aren't connecting to campus ministries, that aren't connecting to churches beyond high school, once mom and dad don't have the influence over them to get them involved in their spiritual walk and get them to come to church and get them to, uh, to, uh, to, to follow the ways that they've been taught, once they come out from under that, statistics tell us that anywhere from 40 to 50% of them walk away from their faith, many of whom never return to follow Christ. And so I have a passion and I think all of us ought to have a passion for, for uh, changing those probabilities, for impacting those statistics. My prayer, my passion, and what we're going to do, going orange, is the idea of helping our church become a place where when a kid walks through this church and is, and is brought up through our system and brought up through our life group system and it comes under the influence of, of the teaching and the preaching and the mentoring and the, and the love and care of this, of this group is that they will not walk away from God when they walk out of this place, when they walk out of your home. Don't you want that church? 
We want to see that happen. And Going Orange is the process of helping that happen. And it's getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And here's why. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and unholy. Now this list sounds very familiar, and it, and it, is, it is what we see happening in our culture. And I've read this to you several times, but I think it's important that Paul uh, says, here's what we are going towards, and this is what we are moving through as a culture, and as families, and as parents, and as grandparents, and as church leaders. This is what we're going through. This is what is coming our way. He says we uh, will see people who are heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And they will have the appearance of godliness, but they'll deny its power. He says, avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture uh, weak women and burdened with sin and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. He says, this is what we're facing, and this is what we're going to see coming in, in a greater and greater way as we, approach, as we approach the second coming of Christ. And as I thought about this wave of challenge... I thought about the hurricane, right? We've been watching a hurricane all week. Now, I didn't get to see this morning. Do we still have a hurricane on the way? No. Well, then that defeats my illustration. But bear with me, okay? Because <laughs> here, I wanted you to know that I was ready. I was ready. I've been through several hurricanes, and so I knew there wasn't really a big hurricane storm coming. But, but, but you got to be ready, don't you? When you see something coming your way, you need to be ready. And there's a few staples that you got to have. And I brought a few of the staples that I made sure that we have. I've got water, right? You've got to have water. I've got uh, a lighter. Got to have some flame. I've got my uh, Gatorade. <laughs> right? I've got, I got my Prime and my Perform. <laughs> if you weren't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look at last week's sermon on the... On, and then if you really... I got my Twinkies. You won't live long on these, okay? Your body will last forever without decaying, but you won't live long. I've got some canned goods. I've got kind of most of the important thing. We really got to have some, some light, right? Got to have some light. So I wanted you to know that I've been stockpiling provisions. I'm ready when it comes. And you got to have an assortment of things. And I saw some different emails kind of shooting around. Make sure you got your gas and you fill up a bathtub of water and, and all of these kind of things that you, that you think, think about. If you got a hurricane on the way, you got to be prepared. And the Apostle Paul says, church, church, there is a, there is a rising tide of wickedness. There's a rising tide of struggle for our young people to move forward. And so what, what I hear when I read this is Paul saying, make sure you have everything you need. Make sure that you are putting 
together into the lives of our coming generations that you're putting into the hearts and minds and homes of our young people, that you're putting in and stockpiling the right kind of provisions. And what this whole Orange series is talking about is making sure that we take what the home has to offer and what the church has to offer and, and blending them together. Let me just show you a little visual of this. We've got the yellow light of the church and we've got the red heart of the home. And uh, there are certain things that only you as a parent can do. Only you as grandparents. You have influence over our coming generations that far outweighs the influence that I can have. And so the, the heart of the home is such a critical, a, a critical staple in preparing our young people for the future. It has to be there. And so part of what this series is to do is to, is to warm the heart of the home and prepare the heart of parents, grandparents, young people, uh, to prepare the family of God to be that kind of home that nourishes the spiritual life that our young people need. One of the reasons that young people uh, fall away from Christ is that the heart of the home is not there. That the home is not right. So we're going to talk about the heart of the home. And then there's the second influence. It is uh, the light of the church. Jesus looked at us and he said, You church, you followers of Christ, you're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Christ in us will light the world. And next week, I hope you'll be here, I'm going to talk about the light of the church. So today I'm going to talk about syncing the two together. Because here's what you create if you sync the light of the church with the red heart of the home. This is what blending those two things does. It turns orange. Did you notice, I want you to go back to that next, that previous slide. Did you notice, this is completely off text, but gator orange is a blend of bulldog red, Georgia Tech yellow. You put those together to get orange. I was a little off text. Turn the... Turn the tape back on. In all seriousness, here's what Barna says. George Barna, in one of his many studies, noticed that there are nearly 40 million children in America between the ages of 5 and 12. And you say, why is that significant? Well, here's some statistics you need to know. Uh, the probabilities of people coming to know Christ. The probability of someone coming to know Christ is 32% between the ages of 5 and 12. One in three kids, if they're impacted by the church and the home, they're impacted, uh, they are most likely to become Christians between the ages of 5 and 12. 4%, the probability is 4% for those who are, between, who are between 13 and 18. Can you believe the difference? And then it moves up just a couple to 6%. For people that are 19 and older. And when you consider that, where should the lion's share of our efforts and our prayers and our work as a church be? When we consider the probabilities of when someone will become a follower of Christ, and we set that basic worldview and those basic beliefs, when we consider the probabilities and the reality of it, why are we not? committing more and thinking more 
about ministry to these kids and, minister, and, and making sure that we are doing what it takes in the home and what, making sure we're doing what it takes in the church to influence the coming generations. Maybe, maybe we're not paying attention to this enough and that's why, that's why our young people really struggle on their way into adult life. And they're going to be facing a literal hurricane of trouble. Barna writes this. He says, he says, our nation's children will struggle to maintain a healthy balance in life. Constantly exposed to evil, they will win the battle most of the time, but never escape the sense of jeopardy. They will seek to live a normal life, but fall prey to the constantly deteriorating definitions of normality. The end result of growing up in this challenging culture, listen, will be a country of adults whose standard have been lowered and whose sensitivities have been blunted. The gifts of childhood that have become or are rapidly becoming extinct include innocence, civility, patience, joy, and trust. It's just powerful what he said. It's powerful what he said. And so what can we do as a church? What can we do to help that 32% probability grow? What can we do to make sure that we're doing everything possible to help those children between 5 and 12? To help them know who Jesus is. To help them firmly root in their heart and in their mind the truths about Jesus. Well, I think this is what we do. We go orange. We go orange. We blend and sink the efforts of those two influences. We've got to sink the influence of the home and sink, sink it with the influence of the church. And what I've seen throughout my years of ministry is often, as a student pastor, I was a student pastor for a while, and now as a pastor, I, some, I, I, I preach and I'll, I'll try to help a group, and then sometimes the home is working against me. Right? But then we also see sometimes that you've got parents and they're doing great at home, but they're involved in churches that are working against them. There are churches who are not doing the job. And so you've got to sink a well-lit church to a warm-hearted home. And so what we're going to try to do is we're going to go through this process of brightening the light of the church. And I'm going to start next week talking about that. And then we're going to warm the heart of the home. And I'm going to talk about things like marriage and, and how, how great singles make great marriages. I'm going to talk about the entire church family and talk about uh, the mentoring effect of, of senior adults and others. I'm going to talk about brightening the light of the church, warming the heart of the home, and then how we can sync that together. And this is a, it's a critical effort on a part of every single church and every single home. So let's begin this process by thinking about what that sync up looks like. And if you'll take your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Timothy a little closer to the beginning of the book. Turn to chapter 1. And I want to show you what I think is the best New Testament example of the sinking of home and church. And I want us to see what that resulted in. 
What it resulted in was a disciple of Paul, a follower of Christ, a pastor. What it resulted in was a man by the name of Timothy. When the heart of the home synced up with the light of the church, it produced a leader by the name of Timothy. And I want you to see these elements and how they fit together so that I can convince you, I can convince you of the importance of you and I parents, you and I grandparents working together for the coming generation, making sure we're saying the same message, presenting and living out the same model that we're working together and not against each other in bringing the coming generations to a stronger relationship with Christ. Look what Paul says about Timothy in verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. And listen to what Paul says he remembers. He says, I remember your tears. As I remember your tears. He's thinking about a time where, where Timothy was, was crying. It may have been when Paul departed, but I think it was more when Timothy truly came to know who Christ was. He says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Where did Timothy get a sincere faith? Well, look at what he said. A faith that dwelt first in your what, church? Your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And what we know about Timothy, his father was probably Greek and probably wasn't a follower of Christ. Nevertheless, the influence of his mother and his grandmother helped lead him to a walk with Christ. And, and Paul thought so much of the influence of Timothy's home that he mentions him right here in the front of this letter and it is preserved for eternity in the Word of God that a little lady by the name of Lois and a little mom by the name of Eunice help impact a future leader in the Christian movement that made a tremendous impact on his world. So maybe you're a grandmother here this morning. Maybe you're a mom here this morning. You don't know. You probably don't realize the level of influence that you have. He says, I remember the sincere faith and the influence of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure that same similar type of sincere faith now dwells in you. And then verse 6 he says, for this reason I also remind you to fan into flame... The gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of, of whose hands? Notice this, whose hands? Paul's hands. He said, now I want, I want you to see the influence of the family. This sincere faith was birthed. It was, it was first held in the warm heart of home of Lois and Eunice. But what really made a huge difference was when the light of the church through the Apostle Paul and his gospel came and influenced this young man. When the two came together, the gift of God came to Timothy. When they synced up, Timothy became a true born-again follower of Christ. Now did Paul, listen, Paul just say, you know, I came and I preached the gospel and you got saved and then I just left. No, that, the influence didn't just come with the preaching of the gospel. And with Paul just making a, 
public profession of faith and getting baptized. And so often that's where it stops, isn't it? With our young people. Well, we got them saved. We got them baptized. They're nine years old. They're good. They got baptized. And we just say, they got their ticket to heaven. They're good. And we walk away. Do you think the influence of Lois and Eunice stopped right there? Do you think the influence of the Apostle Paul stopped right there? Absolutely not. They continued to sync up. And the book of 2 Timothy just lays out for us how they synced up. And this is so critical as we move forward. They synced up, first of all, in their source. They synced up, first of all, in their source. If we're going to work together, families, if we're going to work together, and I speak on behalf of the church, you are the church, but you're also the warm hearts of the homes. Uh, if we're going to sync up, if we're going to make a big difference, we're going to have to make, uh, we're going to have to make a definitive decision on what our source book is going to be, on where we're going to get our instructions. Our kids are absolute experts of dividing and conquering. You know what I'm talking about? They're experts. All children are experts at this. Mom and dad, they got a united front. They've made a decision. You're not going to get that. They're like, yeah, we'll see about that. (laughs) They find dad weakened after a day of yard work, (laughs) isolated from the strength of his wife. They wear me down with twisted logic. And we're talking incessantly, and I finally give in. Normally, it's the other way. I make a definitive decision. Yes, we're not going to do that. We're going to do that. Oh, yeah, we'll see about that. They get Sarah off. She's busy. She's doing something. She's always busy. She's always doing something. She's busy. And she kind of half hears them, and, and she'll say, yes, whatever. And then they'll run back to me. I say, Mom said yes. I said, she didn't even hear what you asked for. (laughs) Y'all know the deal, right? The power of the marriage, the power of marriage and discipline really is the sinking of the husband and wife. If you're a divided front, you will fall. You've got to stay in sync. You and I have to work together in sync and have have agreed upon what what is true and what isn't. We've got to agree upon what our source is. And listen to what Paul says in chapter 3, verse 14. Flip over to chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, he says, I want you to continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And how from when? From childhood you have been acquainted with, with the sacred writings. These sacred writings, Paul says, are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He says, you've been, you were brought up around the source, which is the Word of God, the source or the Scriptures. Now, I want you to continue in that source. So you've got the light of, of the church. You've got the Apostle Paul coming and confirming the source book your home is using. The Bible is the right source. And, not only, and here's why it's the right source. So Paul says, here's why. It is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. 
And he says, here's why it's able to make you wise into salvation. And families, listen, dads, moms, will you agree with these next two verses? All Scripture is breathed out by God. And it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Apostle Paul says, we've got to sync up on our source. Eunice and Lois are teaching you the Bible. I'm teaching you the Bible. And we have agreed it is the source for instruction, for training in righteousness. This is what is going to make our kids and our young people complete. You get them all the education they need. You make sure they go to school and they get their degrees and all those kind of things. That's great. But the ultimate source for their life needs to be the Word of God. When we sync up on that... When you're telling them the same thing about God's Word that I'm telling them, it's powerful. It's powerful. you got to sync up. Second of all, sync up on the message. Sync up on the message. Well, a lot of folks will say, yeah, I believe the Bible. From the index to the maps, it's all God's Word, right? I believe that, and we teach the Bible. And, and kids, you'd better have a Bible carry it with you but it's another thing to take it to the next step and say hey you know we need to team up and sync up church and family teaching the same principles from the word of god teaching what it means interpreting it together and bringing those things uh to bear on our kids from from day one Remember what the statistics are as they move into teenage years and move on. Early on, we got to work together saying the same thing in our life groups, in our children's worship, saying the same things in our youth worship, saying the same things from this pulpit, and saying the same things around the kitchen table. And, and uh, as you're riding in your vans, your minivans, to go to school and go play soccer and all those things, we got to be saying the same thing from the Word of God. What's the message? Well, he talks about this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, we got to sync up on what to believe. Paul says to Timothy, follow the what? The pattern. The pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, you need, Timothy, to guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The pattern was the gospel. The pattern was the understanding and teaching of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And he says there's a pattern to understanding that comes from the source. There's a message that comes from the source. It tells us where we began in the book of Genesis. It tells us that a Messiah was coming and that it was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. It tells us that the reason Jesus came is because we were broken, sinful people that needed a substitute, or we were all destined for hell and death. And he said, it tells us that God became flesh and dwelt among us to become a substitute on the cross for us and offers us freely as a gift the forgiveness of that sin and access to the Father. And Jesus is going to give us as a down payment the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to, in this life, process us and convict us and mold us and make us more into the image of Christ until one day we see Jesus face to face and we will all be like him and he will come and we will live in perfect harmony with God like we were supposed to. And you need to be teaching that same message 
what to believe, the pattern of sound words, but also how to live. Just imagine, just imagine this. This is powerful, isn't it? Your young person is eight years old, nine years old, and he's watching Disney TV. He's watching commercials on ESPN. And he's getting the idea that uh, he's not living that way. He's thinking, I am missing something. I'm not living that way. I'm not doing those things. And so he comes to me. He says, Pastor David, listen, I see a lot of, I see people living together before they get married. I see people doing all sorts of really immoral things. And I, my Sunday school teacher keeps telling me, to obey the Ten Commandments and not to live that way, but the rest of the world's not doing that, and I'm really concerned that I'm missing the boat. And I say, no, young man, <clears throat> you, need to, you need to walk according to God's Word. And he says, well, do you? Well, to the best of my ability, I'm trying to do that, son. And so he comes over to the pastor's house, and he lives with the pastor for a few weeks just to check me out. He says, all right. All right, so he's, he's halfway, he's, he's trying, he's not perfect, but I see him trying to live what he's preaching. That's good, but he's the pastor. He's paid to live right. <laughs> Don't laugh, that's what you think. That's what you think. He went to seminary and learned all that. He has to, because he's a pastor. Just think about the, the impact if that young man went home and his dad was living the same way. He's not paid to be good. Dad, why are you living that way? Why are you living that kind of moral life? Why are you being faithful to your wife? Look at this. Why are you not uh, getting drunk all the time? Why are you not living that way? Why are... You're not even paid to do that. The pastor has to do that. Why are you? And that dad looks him in the eye and says, this is the this is the way Jesus teaches us to live. I'm telling you, dads, when the heart of the home lines up with the heart of the church, that child has no excuse. If they choose to run from the Lord, that's their choice. But they've had the same pattern, right, demonstrated in what to believe and how to live. Is this starting to come together for you? As we sync these two things up, it's very, very powerful. And finally, we need to sync our purpose. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul the Apostle says, All right, so your home and the church have synced up to help you, uh, Timothy. Now, here's what your job is. You then, my child, verse 1 of chapter 2, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to pass it on. I want you to entrust this to faithful men so that they will be able to teach others also. And when those two things sync up, and as you teach it on and you pass that on, I'm telling you, if that's going orange. That is working the heart of the home with the light of the church. 
and, and it influences the generations like nothing else. Like nothing else. Next week, I'm going to talk about how to trim the wick of the light of the church, how to brighten the light of the church. The following weeks, I'm going to talk about how to warm the heart of the home. But here's what I need to ask you this morning. In all seriousness, my wife said, uh, David, there's a hurricane coming. Uh, Would you go check, make sure we got some propane gas in our tank for the because we've been through it we've been weeks without electricity we know it's no fun go check and make sure <clears throat> so I went out to my I got this little guy turned him on oh, you see anything no well there's a little bit of light and I went out to this guy <laughs> and I ran around the house and so many of these blooming things are dead they're dead. I have one thing of water, half a box of Twinkies. <laughs> Not ready. Moms and dads, um, Do you have life in Christ? Do you have a heart for Him? Your young people are looking, they're looking, they want to see something and hear something about Jesus and about the meaning of life and what it's all about. There's a hurricane coming. You've got, you've got to know what you believe. You've got to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Before we sing in just a moment, I just want to give you a moment to examine your heart. The coming generations need a church that has a heart for God, a church that is alive, a church that's not dead. And they need to have parents, whether you're a single parent or you're married. Timothy didn't even have a dad that influenced. He had these moms who had a sincere faith. If your husband's not on board, you just do it. You do it without him. If you can do it together, unite. Pour the same source into that child. Live out that pattern in front of them. Have the same kind of passions for Jesus. When they come to you and they they look for something You're not dead. You're not dead. You're following the light of the world, Jesus. Here's a question for you. 
The only way for you to be a light to your coming generations is for you to have Christ in you. The Bible says if you're not walking with Christ, you're in darkness. If you've never trusted Christ and made Him the Lord and Savior of your life, you may have all sorts of earthly wisdom, but you don't have the light they need. You don't have what really can prepare them for what's coming and what is. I invite you today, if you've never trusted Christ, young people, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, repented of your sins and asked Him, for the gift of eternal life. I'm inviting you to do that right now. More importantly, God is inviting you to do that right now. Would you trust Him? Just bow your heads, your hearts, and just say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Forgive me of my sin. Give me the gift of eternal life. You are my Lord and my Savior. Parents, young people, whoever you are, if you just trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to celebrate with you. I encourage you to take a moment during this invitation just to come down, let me pray for you, let a counselor pray for you and just help confirm that. We won't embarrass you. We won't make you stand up here today. We just want to talk with you about it. I encourage you to come right as we sing. Parents, grandparents, influencers maybe this is a time where you just say alright I'm out of sync I'm out of sync with you Lord Jesus help me get in sync maybe you need to take a move of repentance and confession and getting your heart and life right so that you're in sync with him and the church and the home can be in sync together some of you have never really stepped fully into a relationship with a church. And today's an opportunity for you to connect to the church. And you want to come and say, Pastor, I'd, I'd like to uh, make this my church home. And we're going to walk together on this journey. You can do that during this invitation. Whatever the Lord leads, I just pray that we'll be in sync together. Father, this is your invitation. Stoke the fires within us, as Paul said to Timothy. Fan into flame, and some of us need to flame, uh, fan into flame our love and our passion for you for the sake of our kids and the coming generations. Help us to do that. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.